Welcome one, welcome all. Welcome back, folks. Welcome to the show, trying to break through the barriers, trying to find the truth on the other side. Um, I hope y'all dig in that new uh, art that I created using Midjourney. Every time I look at it, I can't believe that fucking AI created that thing in like 10 seconds. It just, it's crazy to see what's going to happen to art. And with that, we actually have an artist today, a real juggernaut, someone who figured out how to balance things out, who's actually made a living through his art. And, uh, but there's a bit of a contrast sometimes because, uh, you know, we all have to start with that through the rat race, the nine to five. And um, a lot of people, luckily, they figure out how to get out of that doing something they actually love. So we're going to talk to a really cool, interesting guy who, again, synchronistically, the way I found this guy was, so there's an account on Instagram called uh, SideQuest. And it's this guy, he, like, dresses up like video game characters like Zelda and stuff. And he'll go to street corners and he'll just talk to strangers offering them side quests, like in a video game, like, hi, I have a quest, we have to save the princess or something. And so there was this one where he, he, he asks random questions. And so he'll have $100 and he'll be like, do you want $100 or do you want what's in this mystery box? And so he asked this to this guy and the guy says, hmm, let's see what's in the mystery box or whatever. And it turns out to be spaghetti. And so the guy grabs the spaghetti and eats it and walks away. And I was just like, wow, that's a fucking really interesting um, way to respond to his side quest offer. And so I looked through the comments trying to figure out who the fuck is this guy. And I go through the comments and someone made a post saying, well, this is my buddy. Uh, I know him. He was listening to Terrence McKenna when he bumped into him. I was like, wow, that's even more interesting. So I keep on following the trail and I click into this guy's account. And it turns out it's this really cool guy named Troy Grissa and who he really literally balances things out. He's like a juggler. He uh, does this thing called poi, I think. Um, and he, mm-hmm. he does juggling with fire, basically like a like a carnival guy, but like a legit professional one. Not like the meth uh, druggies that work at the carnivals, but like a legit guy who, <laughs> who has his own art and does his own shit. So without any further ado, I'd like to welcome to the show, Mr. Troy Grissa. How you doing, brother? Man, why? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm doing good. Isn't that fucking weird how I found you? Man, I'm geeking thinking back to that video because it was a hundred bucks or spaghetti. And most people would be like, oh, I got the spaghetti. This man took a bite. Yeah, he took it with him in his hands. Like he just grabbed the spaghetti and took it. Like you thought he took an L? Nah, dude, he was fine with the spaghetti. He doesn't need the money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and so like it's things like that in the universe that I see. They're kind of like little hints or little crumbs that if you follow, it'll take you down these weird rabbit holes where you have these interesting conversations or experiences with people. And like, here we are, dude. (laughs) With the circus carnival guy, legit. Yeah, yeah. No, dude, it's cool. (laughs) It's cool because um, I always see people like you, like um, I never been to festivals or anything, but I like to see videos of festivals. And they're always like people like you, like either artists drawing whenever there's music going or jugglers or people just doing like weird artistic things. And I'm like, how do these people get into this? And is that, how do they make a living off of that? And I, I would love to talk to you and hear your story about how you got into it, how you uh, figured out to actually get sponsors and make money from it for, from time to time. Yeah, there are so many layers to it. So yeah, thanks for having me. This is a topic that I've really wanted to be able to express a lot of opinions, experiences, perspectives, heuristics, you know, on this exact topic. So I think we're going to work through some, some really great topics and 
get them recorded. Cool, cool. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. Okay, so if I repeat your question back to you, it was well, the first, final part of it is how do you make yeah, how do you make how did I get into it and how did I wind up? Yeah, but first, how, how old are you? Because you're a young guy and you're figuring thirty. Out. Okay, thirty. Good, good, cool. Okay, so let's hear your story about how you look got like I'm twenty. <laughs> yeah, you look really young and you're ripped, bro. You're like you you're legit. You're a cool dude. Thank you. So. How did this start? How I got into it? Yeah. Yeah, man. So uh, there's so many twists and turns. Parts of it are more interesting than others. But I started in college. saw the LEDs first before I saw the fire. Um, of, of course, talking about the art form of poi, swinging a ball or a stick on the end of a string mm-hmm. and drawing tracers with lights or some sort of fuel that you burn. It's fire. saw the LEDs. You know, my buddies were doing it. Thought it was lame. Kind of made fun of it the first time I saw it. <laughs> and then he... <laughs> Reevaluated his approach and said, actually, let me show you this version of it. it. Took us outside, showed us a fire show. Right then and there, the flame was sparked, so to speak. Um, I was performing within a year or two of wow. starting, you know, in college. And it's because I put a lot of time into getting good at it. Mm. Not really at first thinking about performing, but always in the back of my head knowing, oh, if you do get good at this, uh, it'll entertain crowds. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is, man, entertaining people. And that's really what it is because people, yeah, we can work a job, but really at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're selling our ideas, ourselves, what we can do and like sharing that with the world. And I love it. I also want to talk about you said you work corporate jobs too. And I think it's amazing the contrast that there can be in human life from being in a strict, rigid um, corporate life or being free like you, like literally free. You can do whatever you want when when you do that path of creating art, uh, going on the road, going on festivals, basically parting mm-hmm. your parting. <laughs> yeah. So, so you said you have not been to a festival. What, uh, what imagery have you seen of, let's say like poise spinning or juggling in terms of, you know, a flow artist performance? Never, not really. I've just seen him, like I said, in videos. I like to watch uh, festivals of like uh, psychedelic festivals and all. And I see like people dressed in these colorful colors and juggling shit or LEDs, kind of like what you do. And it's just like, wow, that shit's interesting. First of all, who invented that and why? And like, why is this so Mm -hmm. mesmerizing? It's like, you just want to keep watching. Yeah, I can answer some of that too. Even uh, Poi goes as far back as Polynesian islands, Pacific Mm -hmm. islands. Um, It was more choreographed and dance based. And the Poi were much shorter. But the concept starts there. And of course, you know, modern, the modern world has totally updated it from that, made it longer, added weight to both ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's become a real, it's kind of like engineering level technical in terms of juggling and what you can do with different counterweights and all that. Yeah. So yeah. it's just like anything, you know, it started um, with a really specific cultural base. In this case, it was some islanders and moved because it's such a simple concept in its essence, balls yeah. on strings, yeah. swinging them. Um, it was very easy for it to become technical. So to describe over time this particular art form, how many times it's exponentially grown, I don't want to get into too great of detail, but it's a simple concept taken to its extreme in complexity. Mm, mm. Yeah, because it, it it does look simple, but within it, there's the complex of the pattern and how you kind of like, mm-hmm. when I'm just thinking about how you're doing it, you got to go into that flow state where you can't be thinking about other shit. Kind of like a, a different example, but like when I'm working out, if I'm working mm-hmm. out and I start thinking about what am I going to cook later? What am I going to eat? What is the plans for the rest of the week? I'll lose my count or I'll start losing focus and I can't really be in the moment and do it. So I suppose it must be even greater because if you fuck up, like you lose that train, that pattern that you've gathered momentum and it's like you have to be in the moment exactly am i right 
Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it takes about like you know, 10, 15 minutes to get there, right? Oh, yeah? You don't start in a flow state. Yeah, I guess so. And That's what's always weird about some of these things is like, they don't have a warm-up built into it, so you kind of have to do your own warm-up mm-hmm. so that you can hit your, hit your stride at the right exact moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like everything. Singers have to warm up. Uh, sports players have to warm up. Um, but yeah, it's that thing, that, that flow state. I read this book a long time ago called The Flow State, and it speaks about just that artist, uh, sports people, uh, even drivers. You got to be like people and humans yearn and search for this thing to kind of lose themselves into. And you kind of lose that when you work the corporate uh, life. Like you're, you have a pattern. You do this every day. You go to sleep mm. at this time. But in that, people want to look for something. They'll either do uh, sports or singing or something that kind of just takes them out of the mundane, mm-hmm. normal, everyday pattern because they want to kind of like lose themselves in that. And it's it's amazing because you can't do it in anything in sports, riding bikes, uh, playing music, writing. It's that sense of kind of like just digging yourself and letting go and seeing what comes through the muse or through that creativity that the human spirit has. Wow. Couldn't have put it better myself. That's, that was amazing. Yeah, but see, that's what I'm trying to say. How do we get to teach people this and have people see that these possibilities exist? And like, again, another thing, I guess what I when I see your stuff is when I work out, I watch this channel I mentioned to you on YouTube called People Are Awesome. Y'all should check it out. Oh, I love that channel. It's love basic, that channel. It's great. It's basically just videos and clips of people doing badass shit like uh, skydiving, uh, mountain climbing, uh, deep sea diving, just like badass shit that you're like holy shit people do that stuff that's like that's a thing and it's like surfing huge waves and yeah, stuff oh yeah awesome shit and I, so i see people that do poi and like uh juggle fire and shit i'm like damn that stuff's cool how do people like what calls them to that and that's another thing i'm working with my daughter right now uh, she's eight and i'm trying to like uh, show her all these different things that are, exist in the world and trying to figure out what she's into because i feel all of us have a talent or a gift or a calling you found yours, and I think that's awesome. I applaud you for that. But I feel everybody has this, and it's just my thing is how do we get people to figure out what their thing is and to pursue that and then share that with the world. And amazing shit happens from people. Even, like, this lady who, like, uh, spoke to chimpanzees and, like, that was her thing. Like, if you really lose yourself in what you love, you can share that little special piece of what you have to the whole world, and it can, like, change lives, as corny as it sounds not corny at all no i think that uh committing yourself for years to an art form is with any sort of emphasis on like beauty for other people to consume is always going to go well um most hobbies you get better at linear like you know you do hit a certain points where you hit a wall or something but most hobbies if you work at it for a couple years like you'll start to get positive feedback Mm -hmm. like pretty quickly Mm -hmm. the problem is if you do a hobby that is like extra difficult or something like that. Um, it's a long time before you get the positive reinforcement and a lot of people give up. Mm-hmm. So if I could go back, uh, you teaching your daughter, man, I would bring a tear to my eye because my answer to how you get people to realize their passion, it's usually like through through your parents, I feel. Mm-hmm. And, and like in a way, it's what they are one of the people whose duty it is to help you realize your uh, potential, right? you know? Yes, yes, yes. And I'm really, really happy that you just said that you're doing that for your daughter. I, I respect that. Yeah, like right now she's painting. I got her all these watercolors and she loves doing that. And I don't know if that would be her passion, but I just want her to like really try things out and see what what sticks. Because so many kids that like, even she is kind of like getting stuck on YouTube. And I'm like, no, we need to turn it off for a while. And like, let's do things. Let's not just consume, you know, let's create. 
Yeah, you could set like a little timer that it'll tell them you got 10 minutes left, you got five minutes left, and then they learn how to like ration it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be like, hey, you got 10 minutes left. So she'll play Roblox and she loves Roblox. And then she'll be like, okay, I'm gonna play Roblox because I don't want to watch YouTube and waste all my time. So she's (laughs) learning that time management. Sweet. So, brother, so you said uh, your friend showed you this with some LEDs, and at first you you thought it was silly, and then you got into it. Uh, When you got into it, you went out and purchased stuff and started practicing instantly? Yeah, it was really convenient because on Amazon you could order a starter kit, these little LEDs, and it came with like a DVD, of all things, of tutorials. Um, So I just popped it in the TV while I was... Is in college, so just at home in my apartment. It's freezing cold outside of Wisconsin. Mm. So I'm just like, all right, let's pop this thing in. You had a little tutorial. It actually made it quite fun. You know, I could learn it by myself. It's kind of like doing a little Zumba workout in your mm-hmm. living room there or something like that. Um, and then the first big investment I made would have been I bought a set of Firepoy and a set of LEDs at the same time mm. um, and just committed to learning them side by side, you know, because obviously they feel a little different. Mm. And um, we performed with LEDs last night and performing with fire tomorrow. It's like two totally different uh, things because I can do much more complex things when I'm not burning my nostril hairs. <laughs> okay, so you said you lived in an apartment. Was it a top or bottom? Were you upstairs? Oh, yeah. So uh, so that was back in college when I was learning. But um, touching on an apartment I lived in, I called it the dojo because I didn't buy any furniture. And mm. I just bought like pegboards for the walls <laughs> and hung every different prop you could buy. online so that would include juggling rings hoops staffs juggling clubs poi um sort of different like something called a boogang weird little trinkets that you would sort of juggle um dragon staff i was i remember juggling knives in my apartment oh fuck bought some juggling knives yeah you you didn't start into that like instantly right you practiced first and then you got into knives yeah yeah exactly Um, I I i have this i have this spreadsheet bro um, I've spent over 40k on like juggling props and instruments. Wow. Um, and I shit. rated each one and like durability and shit. It's just, just like spreadsheet. Sometimes I scroll through. Oh, um, and I have turned around and sold a lot of them. And some of them like got me gigs. So all in all, it is a lot of money spent, but a lot of it was like subsidized, if that makes sense. Yeah. You have one of those minds, brother. I love it. Making spreadsheets and shit. What are you doing, man? Originally, I wanted it to be like a blog post so that people could see like, um, if they wanted to get into performing, like which props would be worth the money, mm. like product reviews. Mm. But that I had this whole YouTube channel I wanted to do, but as you know, um, it's really hard to get started on that. So it never happened, but it took a lot of notes that I sometimes refer to. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I always tell people take notes because the biggest and greatest minds always took notes. They always had a notebook or they always wrote their ideas down because when you have shit up in your head, yeah, it's cool, but you'll lose track of it and shit. Um, people forget that. Yeah. Yeah, it's very important. Like, I even want to give me, like, a little digital, um, like, one of those pads that you can just write everything in and it'll save it in. Because I like the, the I, I don't, I like, like, writing on my phone, but it's the art of, like, writing out longhand, too, that really makes my mind work better. Get a whiteboard, dude. That's always fun to write on. Okay, yeah. I have a little one, but I need to get, okay, I'm going to write that down. Whiteboard. Thank you. <laughs> so, when you started practicing, um, were you fucking up a lot, or was it kind of, like, uh, how was the learning curve? I learned decently quickly, as most people do if they actually warm up and focus and give themselves, you know, an hour to work on it. Um, I'm not, I'm not particularly intelligent. I've just put in the hours it took to learn all this stuff. Mm. Um, I'm actually a very slow learner overall. Like whether it was a sport or a concept, I have a hard time paying attention enough times to get the whole process. So I have to relearn things a lot. 
Maybe that's that's what I've noticed with people who have like create their own path. They they don't they have a hard time like keeping um, attention for a long time on things that they don't enjoy. But if it's something that they enjoy, they'll pour everything they got into it. Mm. And so, how long? Yeah, would you very practice? insightful. How how long would you practice at a time like when you first started? Oh, it started at about 30 minutes to an hour. And then eventually I'd move to pretty much every afternoon after I'd go to work and then like work out. I'd come home to my empty ass apartment and I was like, oh, there's nothing to do. Um, I was turn on some music and I had a huge mirror that faced me so I could work on the aesthetics of them. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was literally just one huge square room, just a white blank apartment. Um, really nice view. It was in a nice part of town, but I just didn't adorn it with anything. And I had tall ceilings, dude. Mm. Oh my gosh, for a juggler to have tall ceilings, that is the best thing ever. I love that. Um, and would you would you get hurt? Like, does, is that stuff really heavy? Like the, the koi balls? The poi balls? Oh, yeah, like the worst thing that could happen is hit yourself in the face. There are the nuts or something, which, which happens, but it's drastically less risk than like skateboarding or, oh, yeah. or even um, any contact sport, I would say. Mm. Uh, it's you could blow out your shoulder. Like people who spin a lot tend to have shoulder issues because mm. they don't warm up and they go too hard and it's repetitive. Um, and it's a lot of like rotating your shoulder to its full mobility. It, it looks weird because I, right. I see that there's different kind of moves and like different ways you do it. Like um, do you ever develop your own stuff or you just kind of work off of patterns that you've seen from videos or something? Yes. Oh, yes. I have perhaps like a dozen main concepts that I've invented. Of course, it's just a variation on something that already exists, but there uh, a large emphasis of it is on aesthetics and interesting tricks where you have three different ploy and you're swapping them from hand to hand, almost in a, it's like you're juggling it without ever fully letting go. Yeah, because it looks like you pass it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Just playing catch with myself. Mm -hmm. And before we started, you mentioned that you were grabbing a cup of coffee and smoking a J. How does that yeah, yeah. cannabis, how, wh what is the experience of doing poi on cannabis and without? Well, you see, <laughs> I've been smoking every day for half of my life. Oh, I wrote a book and every page is packed with advice. Get some poem, Mary Jane, and roll it up tight because the flower brings the power for your soul to ignite. Oh, shit. Yeah, we didn't even mention. So you have two other channels on Instagram, brother. Uh, Burn Control Music and Controlled Burn. Can you tell me about those? Yep. One is a hip hop project and the other is my uh, fire spinning and juggling performances, which when they blend, I think I'm just going to call it burn, which mm. would kind of be the ultimate Super Saiyan version of those things somehow coming together for a stage act specifically. But as of right now, they're separate entities. And what makes you do these things? Because like at first, nobody was paying you or telling you, hey, you should do this. You did it out of your own volition. What what was it mm. specifically that like called you to these things? Hmm totally separate right um yeah wow that's what a deep question probably like what what makes me want to be impressive on a stage is because i never excelled in any sports but i'm pretty capable it's just kind of frustrating like ah man like so i was so mid at everything and i found one thing that where the only limit was myself um so i chose that if that makes sense mm. like sucked at sports <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 and you're asking how did i decide to pursue them when I could be doing other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like this mm. podcast, no one tells me to do it, but I just feel like I should do it because what I'm trying mm -hmm. to do is figure out either those little secrets of how to get people to figure out their passion or just how to figure out how to wake others up, if you know what I mean. I, 
I really think it stems from being in Wisconsin and wanting to be physical, right? Without maybe going to the gym, like just without having to leave my house, sort of having a fidgety thing to do inside Mm -hmm. when it's cold outside, right? Because it would just be me in a room. And yeah, the first thought is play video games, you know, play a lot of beer pong in college. But like that, for some reason, spinning and juggling, you can just do it by yourself on a shitty day if the weather's bad. Uh Anything, any room where you have just enough room to move around becomes like an infinite galaxy of fun to explore have you ever uh like started practicing and lose yourself and find out like that time just flew by (laughs) yeah of course oh yeah that's what i'm talking about like that's the thing that humans are looking for to get lost in something not to like just be like you said checking the time or like being on video games just wasting time people want to do something not it doesn't even have to be productive they have to do people just looking for something to like i don't know explore and seek out and, and get better at yeah, the zone of proximal development is kind of like where the flow state is in your mind. There's things you can do and then things that you can't do, right? Because you haven't learned them yet. And then right in between, though, there's something, the things you can do with a guide. So you do you learn new moves from other people. It's very hard to just learn new moves for things like this. So the zone of proximal development feels really good because you're taking the knowledge of somebody else and applying it to yourself. Mm. So, I, so I'm glossing over uh, the tutorials I used to watch. I used to really pour over them on my laptop or computer while I was spinning, usually on my phone. I'd be out, you know, spinning outside somewhere and, or on campus or maybe at work or something. And I'll just put my phone out sitting on something and watch the tutorial over and over while trying to figure it out. That, uh, what do you call that? Determination, mm-hmm. continuation, never giving up. Persistence. For some reason, yeah, persistence. It really was brought out by these homemade YouTube tutorials. And you had to rewatch them and you had to like, put it in slow motion and take mm-hmm. screenshots. And it was a lot of little finicky effort to get some good content out of some of this, but that's kind of what made it fun. Yeah, yeah. Before something's mainstream, the tutorials are never that good. Yeah, yeah. You're kind of like like at the inception of something that's kind of like a little niche that people are kind of, it's very kind of secluded, but if you get in there, it's cool because now you see a lot of really high professional videos. Like yours look pretty good, but I've seen some that there are like, uh, they ha- it looks like they're using drones to record and shit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, the sky's the limit when it comes to performance props because they're attaching fireworks on them. There's pixelated ones where you can put any image. There's uh, sort of explosion ones you use with something called uh, lidocaine powder. Hmm. It's like this exploding powder that as you swing it, it turns into like a handheld firework. Oh, cool. Um, and then you can have everybody choreograph it at the same time so that there's multiple layers of huge spinning sparklers. Um, they can pass them back and forth. It's one of my, I have these really durable LED clubs, right? Mm-hmm. They're like a $500 set, all these cool patterns glow very bright. So the more friends you have that have them, the more passing you can do uh. back and forth. That's a fun one because they're pretty durable. So you can just keep going. And how many friends would you say you have in this little community that you do? Because you said your friends taught you, and uh, I'm sure maybe you discovered mm-hmm. other friends. But how many people do you know that do this type of stuff? Oh, what an interesting question. So it varies by city. You know, the more artistic a population is, the more flow artists you're going to have, for sure. Mm-hmm. I've traveled to many cities and usually used Facebook to network and find where everyone is. And for whatever reason, there's patches that just don't have many. So you might be one out of a hundred in your state or a thousand or ten thousand you know it's like but i'm in portland dude 
Oh yeah, that's a where very artsy place. everybody here can juggle, dude. It's crazy. There's something in the water out here. The juggling scene out here is vibrant and and so full of new people always coming in. Yeah, yeah. Portland, it is such an artsy scene. It seems. What would you say would be your favorite city you'd like to travel around? How many cities have you gone to doing your art? Oh, specifically. So that's a tricky question because whenever I travel, I bring them and film. So specific because I travel a lot uh, with my family and like for work, I've traveled a lot. So like I was just in Seattle last weekend for work. Um, I filmed a badass video um, as I just posted it today. I work really hard at filming when I travel backpack and tripod juggling stuff with me everywhere I go. So cities that I've traveled to specifically for working in that probably count on one or two hands, like maybe 10 to 20 at the most. Mm -hmm. But cities that I've traveled to and filmed in would be triple digits, man. Oh, like shit. I just, I'm always filming, like, yeah, several hundred. That's cool, brother. That's really cool, man. And see, that's the thing. You found this little thing that your friend showed you, and that's led, led you to travel and do have all these amazing experiences. That's fucking I love I love filming it. Like travel vlogs are super cool. Yeah. You found a way to, to get paid to do the thing that everyone loves to do. I know. And the thing that trips me out most is you know Mr. Beast on YouTube, I'm sure. Of course, yeah. So he figured out how to make money from giving money away. That's the trippiest shit to me. Like, <laughs> I don't know how the fuck you I mean he did Yo, what a genuine guy. Yeah, he he did just awesome, man. And and I love seeing that. Like, there's other people on, like on TikTok or Instagram that that's what they do. They just go around blessing people, and they they get big, and people start giving them money so they can share that money. And that's like that's the ultimate thing. That's what I feel we should all be doing. And you do it either through either actual money or just sharing your art, like what you do. Yeah, I do feel like I bless people sometimes. Uh, if somebody's at a show and wants to learn a move, and you teach it to them, that feels really good. So you, when you uh, said you would practice like on a campus or wherever outside, would you get like an audience where people just stop and watch? No, surprisingly, people usually just kind of leave you alone. Um, of course, you get people coming up to you at the gym trying to find out what you're doing if you do it long enough. Mm -hmm. And of course, you get people on the street who want to bug you. Um, but it's the same as like if you were just standing there, you know, like people approach you if you look approachable. I would say on a given day filming in a busy city where there's tons of foot traffic, one out of a hundred people would even comment. And then out of those, out of that one person, not always would they want to like stay and actually talk to you. It's really surreal because if I was walking around and I saw somebody juggling and filming, Kind of like if I see somebody skateboarding, if I'm like, I'm going to stop and watch him do at least one trick. Yes, exactly. That's the thing. That's how I am. And I don't, it, it bothers me how people are not like that. Like when I see something like someone even just playing a, a guitar or something on the street, someone performing or just doing something out of the ordinary, I'm like, what is that? I want to look at because I love people watching. I just love seeing people's behavior and what brings them to that. Okay, I can explain it sort of. I've, I've, I've come across this lately. To people who thrive on attention... Like, attention is the same thing as money. Mm -hmm. So the universe just compels them to go get attention, and they have to do it. And then they can, like, rest easy, mm. you know? Yeah, that makes me think of Loosh. Have you ever heard of Loosh energy? No, what is Loosh? So Loosh is kind of like your spiritual energy source that's within you. And, and basically, it's 
I'm sure you scrolled through my maybe my Instagram page and my whole thing oh, is yeah. about uh, waking people up, fighting against the dominators, the new world order, the elites. And so what we're in, what I like to say is we're in, in spiritual warfare right now. And there's the media and the news and politics and all this shit that's out there trying to grab people's attention. Is try, it's taking your loose energy. By you giving your attention and your, your, your loose to these things, that's how they feed off of this dark stuff. They feed off of your spiritual energy. And so when people are watching... So it sounds like loose is a play on the word loose, L-U-Z, which means light. Uh, maybe I don't. I haven't looked into the etymology, but it's to me, it's this force inside of you that that you have, and and you can magnify, it, like you making art or exercising or do, losing yourself in something, making raising your consciousness is how you increase your luge. But you you lose your luge and you give it away whenever you're paying attention to politicians or the news or these things trying to scare you because they're trying to get a a rile out of you. They're trying to get you to release that energy that these dark entities consume. So that's it just made me think about that. Yo, that's how I feel about like testosterone. I feel like people give a lot of their testosterone to like politics. And it's like, dude, you could have chopped so much wood or yeah. like done something productive with all that energy. Yeah. You and, just went and got mad at something. You could have used that energy for something. Yeah, and especially um I've 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 been um concretizing this idea more because I love playing video games. But I'm, more and more, I'm, I'm thinking that video games now are so big and popular and they're pushing them so hard because it's, it's giving men that testosterone rise, that it's getting that. Mm -hmm. People used to get this uh, rile through either hunting through a successful hunt or um, fighting or courting a woman or doing something great. But now, literally through the pushing of buttons, men are getting these dopamine hits and they're, they don't feel compelled to go do these awesome things like rock climbing or getting out there in the world. They're literally just pushing the button for that dopamine hit. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, have you read Ready Player One by any chance? I have not read it, but I love the movie. Okay, so uh, Ready Player Two is out. It's not a movie yet. It's a book. It's fucking amazing. So when they come out with that movie... You can look forward to that. But I'm a huge fan of that concept of just taking where we are, making everyone live in a slum, basically. But the online is where the virtual reality paradise is. Yeah. And I think we're almost there. We're, it's sort of, a, sort of a couple steps away from us. But what you just described with men in video games is very similar to what happens in Ready Player One. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. oh, my God, exploring. God, you haven't seen the second one, so we can't go. The first one covers, like, one-tenth of the implications of an acronym but the oasis yeah that's what it's called and the second one goes way deeper and mm -hmm. so i've been i've been thinking about this for about a year because i read it like a year ago okay i'm gonna have to look into that but yeah that's the whole idea of them pushing us into the metaverse essentially have you seen the movie surrogate mm -hmm. surrogate have you seen that movie no i don't no i don't okay so surrogate is this movie it has bruce will in it you should check it out so in the future, what happens is humans can buy these robots and they're, and they're avatars. So basically, you buy a pod and it's at your house and it comes with the robot and you hop into this pod and you become the robot and you can go around the world and do whatever you got to do, go to work, business, whatever. And so that's why he's called surrogate. And I think that's the future that they're trying to lead us into. The metaverse essentially just keep you in your home. You don't have to drive to work. You don't have to go anywhere. Just stay at home and be in this virtual world all day and basically just do nothing in the world. And that's how they'll basically control everything in the world. Everyone will be in this virtual world 
while the dominators are out here in the real world taking um, resources, uh, land, property, whatever they want. Man, this this movie came out in 2009, right? Mm-hmm. I can't believe I've never seen this. This looks awesome. Yeah, you should check it out. Uh, it- the question is, how do you harness the loosh energy when you have all these people such as in the matrix, they're all lined up in pods and you're just sucking the force out of them uh-huh. and they're being put into a simulation. Yeah. How do you like maximize on that? How do you convert that into something useful for yourself? Cause it seems like it's just a net loss for the universe. How does one person profit off of me being on the metaverse um, in my living room? You know? Well, this is the thing. They want they want to erase either the idea of God or nature or human life, liberty, the free, the human spirit. They want you to be like a zombie, essentially, just watching. See, like the whole um, uh, Walking Dead, it's whole like a metaphor of humanity. There's a lot mm-hmm. of dead zombies out there who are just consuming. NBCs. Yeah, yeah, just consuming. They're not really like living. And so that's what they want. They, the, the dominators, the dark force, the oppressing force in this universe, it wants you to, to, there's a positive and a negative. And the negative wants to keep you from ascending, to, from raising your consciousness, from becoming a better version of yourself. And maybe this will help you understand. I'm sure you've seen the movie Monsters, right? Monsters, Inc.? Mm-hmm. So in the whole movie, basically what it is is there's these monsters and they go to little kids' rooms through some type of... Uh, oh, that's a good analogy. <laughs> yeah, through some type of teleportation thing, they go into kids' closets and they scare kids. And by scaring Yo. these kids, it releases this energy, this loose energy, this fear, mm-hmm. this like, oh my God, and this energy, they use this energy, they bottle it up and they use it in the monster world as energy. So it literally powers their world. Like mm-hmm. They use fear as electricity and so uh, the most powerful thing in that movie that people don't ever talk about is at the end they find out that there's more energy and laughter and joy and Mm -hmm. happiness and so at the end of the day the monsters they go and they make people laugh they make them happy instead of terrifying them and and taking away that stand-up comedy yes exactly so my thing is like that's what we're here to do on earth figure out our, our gift our talent harness it and then share it with the world. And th- with with doing what you do, you're raising other people's loosh. Because exactly like that one person that stops by and looks and watches, you're raising that dude's consciousness. Because he's like, oh, what is going on? How did this guy, why is this guy here? Why is he practicing this? What's his life like? And that's that whole universal connection that they're trying to diminish by keeping us in our own house, locked up, just playing video games, not connecting with others or nature or what your calling is. All right, you just brought up quarantine. I, I knew it was gonna come up, dude. I got a, I, I got, I got the same take as you. We both got a hot take on it. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, everything you just described, I'm glad I don't have to say all that because you said it very, you articulated it, man, very well. I still don't quite understand how so many people believed it was functional and good. The jab? Lock, or, the concept of lockdown. Oh, right. Yeah, but that's the thing. It was fear. What, Same what, with the jab, but first of all, lockdown. It's fear, brother, because even me at the beginning, I was scared. When I went to the grocery store, I would, like, come home and, like, spray uh, Lysol on everything. But it wasn't until, like, after two months, like, in, I think, that June, I was like, wait a minute. What the? F- I've, I've read about this. I've seen movies about this. I know about the plans of the Dominators to basically get the whole world to 
have some type of um, identity system to track everyone and everything and their health history and all of that. I was like, wait, I know about this and I'm, they're doing it right now. Why am I like, how did I fall into the trap? And it's just, that's how powerful fear is. Once you have fear, someone like uh, an authority source can come and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to uh, get ahead of this. This is how we're going to beat the virus. And you kind of like just blindly submit because you have fear and your fear is actually just the unknown. And humans want to know what's going to happen. They're terrified when they don't know what's going to happen. When they see something new, they're like, oh, shit, what is this? Um, and they become fearful. And, and I, I wouldn't blame them. I'm sure everyone has families. They're trying to protect their families. But it's that inception of putting fear out there and then offering a solution. It's called the Hegelian dialectic. It's basically what all dominators have done in the past. They'll create a problem. And they'll have the people filled with fear. And then the people are like, help us, help us, what do we do? And then they come in with the solution that they always had in, at, uh, in their mind. And that's how basically the, everything gets implemented. Like everything from 9-11. Um, Holocaust. Yeah, all that shit. Yeah. Oh, interesting that you brought the Holocaust, another synchronicity. I just found a video, a documentary that I'm going to watch that I watched in high school. My high school teacher shared it with me. And he said, okay, we're going to watch this video. And this is basically going to explain how the Nazis were able to brainwash people to the point of murdering and killing their own neighbors. And it's called The Third Wave. Y'all should all check it out. Um, I don't think you'll find it if you go on YouTube and search for it. You have to go to bing.com and search The Third Wave documentary and watch it. It's old, but it's really good because it explains to you how easily you can program a human to do whatever you want. Meet puppets, dude. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and so that's the thing. Like it's, I, I wonder if I answered your question. It's fear. That's how they implemented all of this. And slowly people were waking up. Yeah, I just like, found the movie, dude. It's not even rated. It came out in 2007, right? Which one? Oh, never mind. I'm looking at, okay, never mind. I, I got to see this, dude. This sounds interesting. The Third Wave? yeah. yeah. I can't find it on regular Google. That is interesting. No, don't. I don't ever use Google, but I was leave Google. Use That's Bing crazy. or DuckDuckGo because they censor everything. Yeah, go to Bing.com and search the Third Wave documentary. It's a little old. It looks like in the '80s, maybe, but it's really, really good. I've been looking for that video forever, and somebody posted it, and synchronistically, I found it. So it's like, it's this thing, man, that I've noticed around the world. If you're like out there paying attention and looking, seeking, these things will come to you. Did you find it? Damn, that's an yeah, it's a rabbit hole. I got it pulled up for later. Okay, yeah, yeah. See, <laughs> so, do you believe that uh, in free will? Ah, uh, I don't know, man. I want to say yes, but then again, I've read things on how people are basically just accumulations and amalgamations of everything they've learned or yeah. patterns that they've uh, created for themselves. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. I wonder sometimes. I I mean, I recently came across like the concept you just described of you articulate my thoughts for me. It's so nice. Um, the book was Homo Deus. Um, Homo Deus. Anyway, how do you spell it? Yeah, Homo Deus. I forget. It's by uh, Yuval. It's like this uh, pretty prolific writer, but he um, has another book, Homo, not Homo Erectus. What the heck? Homo, Homo Sapiens. Yeah. So he has a book called Sapiens and oh, one called yeah. Deus. Homo Sapiens and Homo Deus. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they both talk about, you know, the first one's about the history of humanity up till now. 
And then the second one's about now going forward. Mm-hmm. And he has a lot of chapters on how we don't actually have free will. And I'd never been open to that concept before. I was like, oh, what the heck? It's at the end of his book. It's been a really good book so far. Um, and it, it talks about free will compared to AI and how AI will eventually outsmart us and everything. Um, I wish I could articulate it better, but I haven't had that many chances to talk about it well, because not a lot of people like to talk about it. No, I love this topic, but I, I don't know, man, because I, I can see, yes, how we're all just um, behavior repeating software sort of. But sometimes I'll do things like, I think even your juggling thing, dude, can kind of explain how it's not because you're not thinking, right? But you are. It's like you have this knowledge of how to do this juggling. But then I'm sure you'll get into zones where you'll do shit like, wait, how did I do that? I didn't even mean to do that. How did that happen? Mm, Yes, yes. This is true. So that's my only thing that I've ever thought is the only way that you can really, because there's no really way to like... um, do tests or experiments on consciousness because it's you yourself. It's like you can't tickle yourself or you can't touch the back of your own hand. It's that thing that you're in it, so it's hard to test. So the only way I found that is testable or kind of to see that there's maybe some type of truly free will is when humans do these things that they'll be like, wait, I didn't even think of that. How did that happen? I I wasn't actively thinking. But then again, you can also argue that that's the mind, the brain, making patterns and i'm sure you've heard of this theory that there'd be uh mathematicians or doctors working on a problem and they can't solve it and they go on a walk and all of a sudden their mind just comes up with the solution have you heard of this mm-hmm. so it's that yeah, thing. is that is that the mind is that you yourself your consciousness or is that just your brain having this problem what a fucking awesome example in question right that is awesome yeah so that's what i always think about. so i can answer it though and it is the conscious brain because you set up the conscious brain i'm sorry the conscious brain sets up the subconscious brain to do it your subconscious brain wouldn't have figured it out unless the conscious brain did all the work and heavy lifting for them yeah the subconscious brain just like puts the final puzzle piece in Yes, dude. And see, that's what I'm thinking. What if that's some sort of human AI? Like, that's our sub-program that just runs in the back, you know, kind of like random. Uh, it, it is viable. However, I think, like, uh, this is so hard to explain. Your subconscious is, you are able to control your subconscious by setting it up with your own little algorithms that you write throughout the day. And say when you go to sleep is a really classic example of when all that code gets sorted and the bad ones get deleted. Mm. You keep the salient ones. Wow, dude, that just made me think of lucid dreaming. When I was little, I, I, I could do it really well. But after I started smoking weed, it's, it's harder. And sometimes I can when I nap. But I think that's part of it, maybe, that if you can teach yourself while you're awake to do certain patterns, like there's a pattern, a way to start inducing lucid dreaming, it's constantly look at your watch, constantly look at it throughout all day and say to yourself, am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? And in reality, in real life, you'll see your clock and it'll just be your clock. It'll be ticking. But if you're dreaming and you do this pattern, if you uh, habituate to, hab- habituate this pattern, you eventually end up doing it in your dreams. But in your dreams, when you look at your you watch... You won't be wearing the watch. Or maybe, or the numbers will be juggling or moving around, or they'll be like uh, flickering, like it's glitching. I've seen this happen many times. And that's how, when that happens, I'm like, oh shit, I'm in a dream. So when that happens, I can wake up within the dream and fly around, go anywhere, do whatever I want to do. So I lost my train of thought, but that made me think of that. I don't know why. Oh, I, yeah. I had a buddy in uh, college who um, stayed at my house once a week, and he would always lucid dream when he came over. Mm-hmm. And the look of satisfaction on his face in the morning when uh. we all like, woke up. 
he, we were like, so what'd you do last night? And he kind of like shrugged it off. We'd be like, no, seriously, what'd you do? And, he, and I'll never forget what time he just said flying. And he was, and then he couldn't stop grinning as soon as he said it. Yeah. And the weird thing is though, when you do flying and, and then you're in the dream and then you're thinking too much that you're in the dream, you kind of start to lose power and it's like harder yep, to fly. Yep. It's weird. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. It turned, or like, what do you? There's a couple other ones where you like try to punch someone and your hands moving really slow. Yes, dude. What is that? And you that? can't actually. Connect. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah. What is that? Um, I think it comes from like video games, like playing video games for some reason, like cinematics being in slow motion or something. I I, I can't quite put it down. No, but I used to have this um, before I played video games as a kid. Like I remember flying and being like, "Oh no, I'm 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 losing power. I can't fly no more." And then I would wake up. See, I think I played Spyro the Dragon at such a young age. Oh. I can barely remember before it existed. You're right. I, I remember Spyro. Spyro was a shit. You know they're remaking it. Oh yeah, I think there's been like eight iterations. I played the first three. I loved them. I I've even replayed them. Like the remastered versions. It was really fun. Dude, you just made me want to play that game. Shit. Spyro. It's available on like uh, Xbox or PlayStation Marketplace. They totally revamped. You can buy the first three in one package. Oh shit! Look at us. Same nerds. with Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. We're a bunch of nerds, bro. <laughs> I can. I deserve to be a nerd on my Super Smash type shit because I've put in so much other work. Yeah. yeah. I deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it, brother. See, it's this thing about these people that are like we're like gravitated toward the. Um, how would you say it? The other. The the. The virtual world, the, a place that you can go into and kind of lose yourself. It's this whole theme again, you know? Mm -hmm. I played um, maybe up to an hour of Super Smash this morning with my buddy, who's also super into Poi. Is it a coincidence? I don't know. But it's quite fun. We hop on the phone and talk shit while we're playing. Oh, so I play online. Yeah, we just and the, there's no lag anymore. Nintendo used to be so slow, but they've really upped it. So Smash Online is quite fun. And see, that's the thing, man. See, video games can be bad and can be used to, like, diminish your loose. But then again, they can be used to, like, bring you close to your buddy and have a great time. It's yeah, he would never sit on the phone with me for an hour otherwise. Right. So it's, it's a balance. I think everything's a balance it, it, to tie it in with Poi or whatever. It's all mm -hmm. balance. It's all, <laughs> like, I'm, I don't know if you've heard this uh, tell. There's a story. It's kind of like a, what would you call this, a metaphor or something. But... There's a story of uh, some guy in Japan, ancient Japan, and uh, he's, a, he's a student to a, to a guy who's like a, a martial artist. And so he's training this guy, and this guy asks his master one day, you teach me about fighting, but then you also speak of love. How do you reconcile both? And he says this that stuck with me forever. He says, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than to be a gar gardener in a war. So it's kind of taking that idea of you have to be a gardener, you have to be a warrior, you have to be a poet, an artist, um, very strong, very smart, funny. It's kind of like having a balance of all the possible um, attributes. Scenarios. Yeah, attributes or scenarios or things that could happen in the real world. Yeah, being physically strong from any type of martial arts has more benefits than simply self-defense as well. Like being physically strong and imposing gets you more opportunities in life in general so learning self-defense is also like proactive for you yeah, right right and teaches discipline um perseverance mm -hmm. um it's just this whole thing pain tolerance that, yeah 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 and that right now is just reminding me of the idea um have you ever dealt with psychedelics i'm sure you have 
Of course, yeah, okay. of course. Well, I, I love Terrence McKenna. And me and my wife were just talking about this last night. Um, back about 10 years ago, actually, I missed psychedelics and I couldn't find any. And I really wanted to go into it because it had been years since I've had any. And I had no luck, so I was like, fuck, what do I do, what do I do? So I started listening to Terrence McKenna and I started figuring out that you can grow them yourself. Um, you just order the spores online. And uh, it's a lot of uh, research, you gotta read a lot. And then I heard Terrence McKenna, Terrence McKenna talk about this idea of that when you grow mushrooms, it teaches you these um, attributes that are good to have for when you're in the psychedelic space. So for example, when you grow mushrooms, you have to be very cleanly because you can't have any type of uh, dirty air or anything dirty in the air because it'll uh, contaminate the, the substrate of where you're growing the mushrooms and they won't grow and they'll just get moldy. So it teaches you cleanliness. It teaches you punctuality because you have to watch the process and you have to know when to water them, when to move them, all of this stuff. So it teaches you um, discipline, you know, how to wait, um, when to water them. So it teaches you basically these different things of patience, uh, discipline, waiting. And these are the attributes that will help you when you're in the psychedelic space. You know, I always try to tell people I don't like recommending psychedelics per se, but if I do, I would say if you're going to try them first, build a meditation practice where you can center yourself and like come back to a homeostasis point. Because a lot of the times when people don't have these attributes, they'll start panicking or freaking out and then they'll end up having a bad trip. Man, I love Terrence McKenna. I, I really appreciate you summarizing all that. Again, you couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I, I have never tripped off of my own shrooms. Um, of course, I went through pounds of them. Uh, let's just say, it, let's just leave it at that. You don't want to talk about own. it? You don't want to talk about that? Oh, I got a, I got a song called Way Back When. You could hear about kind of weight I used to move and things like that. Way Back When? But, How do I find that? <laughs> That's on YouTube, Burn Control Music, way back when. Okay. You'll laugh your ass off. Um, I just don't want to flex that type of business um, yet. But I absolutely love shroom tea. And I think that if I had grown it myself, it would have been an even layer of deeper appreciation. Oh, yeah. So that I could have spoken about punctuality and watering it and, you know, managing mold and things like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. But uh, I, I was a bit of a shaman in that I was a purveyor. And also, I would make them tea and take them to cool nature places and kind of set up, set them on their day. Oh, wow, you know, and, dude. So you were basically guiding people into trips? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, for years. Dude, you're definitely a shaman. And see, this is another thing that I've realized. When I think about the shamans, like in the past, in, in villages and in ancient times, they had shamans. Of course, they were living out of the edge of the city out there. But I think like now, where are the shamans being born now? And I think it's people like you, people who are not satisfied with like the normal mundane rat race that everyone's going through. So they seek out alternatives, different ways of figuring it out. And I think these are the modern shamans that are like the artists, the people who create a niche, figure out their own way of how to like make a living. And I think, yeah, you're definitely a shaman. Man, uh, so rather than YouTube, you should go to Spotify and listen to my song called Rat Race. Okay, I love that. Have you heard the Bob Marley version of that song? How's it go? I'm not a good singer, but just look into it. Probably, yeah. I've definitely heard like most of his discography, so most likely, yeah. And on Spotify, that's also as Burn Control? Yeah. 
Okay, I'm gonna check. That's on my album called The Callous. It's one of the first songs. I'll probably, I probably I always end the podcast with the song. I'll end with one of these. I'll see which one I like more. Oh, bet yeah, Rat Race. Um, probably be more entertaining than the other one. But if you were to shit, you just what I tell people. I just say give me a topic, and it probably has some bars about it or a song. Oh yeah. I'm gonna check your shit I, out. I didn't know. I didn't know you. I've seen some of your videos on the Poi channel you have that you do some songs. I was like, wait, did you do music too? Holy shit, dude! You gotta hear my. I, I haven't dropped it yet. It's called Mike Check, but it's M I C, which of course stands for Military Industrial Complex. Oh. I got a hot take on Ukraine, dude. It's a whole song very focused on it. Just send but, me that whenever you post release it. Send me that. Oh, dude, I will. I mean, I could send you a pre-master of it. I'm really proud of it. Cool. Um, but I do have a, I do have a song called "Conspiring." Okay. What? Tell me um, a little bit about that. So, have you ever heard of like Samson, the rapper, by any chance? No. No, I haven't. He does like sort of hot takes on current events, and I thought it would be fun to do one on you know, 9-11 and a lot of the controversial topics all in one. The vaccine, for example. Um, I kind of want to... So do you uh, only have one hour or are you trying to go longer? We can go for a bit longer. Okay. Maybe I'll... I might say that for the very end, but I think music about conspiracy theories, like rap particularly, you can go through it so fast that within a, you know... 16 or 32 bar section you can like take people from start to finish on a i just call them conspiracies because theory implies it didn't happen yeah I'm, these are conspiracies that definitely happened 911 I, I can't actually prove but like some of the other shit like you can definitely prove um see i don't want to just go into specific i want to talk about the mentality behind conspiracy theories first okay because i feel like you can't do it in your teens you can't do it in your early 20s it's once you've like seen life you start to realize that all the way up the social hierarchy human nature is the same and there's cheaters and liars and weirdos mm. all the way up that well <laughs> let, i would push back on that because as a kid the the way that i i kind of woke myself up is as a kid i had insomnia and i would lay in bed and just think and think and think and it was near christmas one time and i started thinking about santa claus and i was like how the fuck does this one fat guy go all over the world, have all these presents in one bag, and do all this in one night? I was like, no, this is impossible. This can't be. This, this is not real. And so in that, from there, I started thinking about the Tooth Fairy, uh, the Easter Bunny, all these things that we're told as kids. I was like, this, this still sounds kind of fake. And I was like eight years old. So I think, I think there's some people that, pretty early. that do have that. I don't know that mind to like break things down because I always want to know how things work and why they work and why they are the way they are. So I'm just pushing back a little bit on that. But I do think, yeah, most people, it does take I, I've, a lot of people that I've talked to. It's actually been the pandemic that woke them up. So it's very interesting. Oh, cool. Yeah, I noticed that was a theme. Yeah. So what do you think it was about being trapped in, say, a New York apartment, only having yoga and journals to keep you keep your mind going is it that if you dude what if it's that if everyone was just left with themselves 
they would all realize a bunch of really important shit that we could all agree on. Yeah, well, that's that's and the exactly. quarantine was an attempt at that. Yeah, no, no, I think the quarantine was an attempt at keeping people from because the world was waking up. There was protests in Hong Kong and Italy, all over the world. People were like pushing back against the establishment. I don't know what was happening before COVID, dude. Well, I that's w- crazy. You say that I don't. I can't remember. I was paying. I paid a lot. I've always paid attention to like what's going on everywhere, and I noticed, holy shit, Hong Kong is really pushing back to where like uh, they wanted. Um, Freedom. They wanted uh, American ideals there because China was trying to like impose on them that um, Hong Kong had been kind of a free sovereign part of China um, for a while. But then uh, this time period came where there was time for them to like become part of China. And Hong Kong was like, no, 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 no. We want what America has. We want freedom. We want the ability to choose our leaders. And so there was massive fucking protests. You should look into it. I do remember that. I do remember that totally. So I remember they waited that, till that shit was popping, and then they took it over. Yes, and there was also protests all across Europe. The teachers were fighting back to be able to give uh, teachers the right to teach uh, students what they what they wanted to teach them instead of following curriculums. And so there was these up uproars all around the world, and it seemed like COVID happened at just the perfect time to keep people from like connecting and figuring out that oh shit, we have the internet, and there's people on top who are making life horrible for us. Why are they there? So it seems like COVID was a kind of attempt to snuff all that out and put it under the carpet. But I think exactly like what you're saying, COVID, to me, what COVID did, I, I imagine it as people going into their cave and, and um, meditating, get, closing them off from the world, from working, from doing their patterns that they do every day, and then giving them that opportunity of thinking, do I really like my job? What the fuck am I doing? So it's kind of like that whole Plato's cave thing. Once you're stuck in the dark and like you have nothing, you couldn't do anything, you were bored. It gave people that opportunity to think. Because even people now, uh, Troy, people when they take a shit, they don't even like ponder or think. They're on their phone scrolling. I do it sometimes too. And it's like people back in the day had so many opportunities to just like contemplate, ponder, Think about life, but now all that's being snuffed out. Your loose is constantly being taken through your mm. cell phone, through media, through all of these things to keep you from like thinking about what are you doing in your life? Are, are you happy? Uh, what's the next step? So I think all of that was a catalyst to get people to be like, holy shit, I don't even like going to work. I don't want to go back to work now. And they, a lot of them, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people figure things out, like either like you, like Poi. Some people got into drawing, into working out, and it's just like... Home Depot stock went up 30% because of all the home projects people were doing. Oh, shit. That's a good uh, uh, thing to note. But yeah, exactly. People were like, what do I do? What do I do? And it, it gave people that opportunity. So I think it's like a bittersweet thing. Yes, it sucked. But I think it was a blessing in disguise that it gave people the opportunity to be like, what else is there? What, what can I do? Yeah, I mean, that's a really optimistic way to look at it. People who didn't get, um, like, unemployment checks or whatever you call it, like, <clears throat> those free, you know, if you're a stripper, for example, in, <laughs> in Oregon, the state didn't give you money. <laughs> right. Oh, so shit. some people got fucked. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, see, that's the thing, too. That, that was probably, like, a blessing in disguise. It probably forced them to, like, look for something else. And I'm sure a lot of lifestyles were destroyed, but I'm also sure a lot of new ones sprung up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you ever think of humanity as like one sort of cell and each person is a different part of like a different organelle in the overall organism? Oh, yeah. Well, and actually, like it, it develops different things like a bigger 
maybe gay people are more prevalent now or something or certain types of autism are more prevalent. But each of those unique demographics comes with a strength. And it's like we need those strengths now more than ever. And that's why humanity is spawning so many unique cases. Wow. Yes, that's beautiful. And amplifying their voice to itself. That's a great way to put it, brother. The way I see life in humans is each of us are a window from this major consciousness, the primal force that created everything. Each one of us has a unique window to look at the world through unique ways because we all have our, our own point of view. We've learned things. We've had things happen in our life that give us a certain outlook on life. And one thing I thought as a kid is, I don't know, do you remember as a kid they would have these old handheld like games and it was like just monochromatic screens like a football screen so it would be a football Eight play. Bit. Yeah. yeah and it would be like uh it would be oppositions but it would only light up in the position that you were in and when you moved that uh part would shut off and the next would turn on so when of I, course yeah, when, yeah I was, when i was little i would think of that and i would be like what if every human is that in that game and the universe just wants to experience every possibility that could ever be through each certain special person's eyes. Like, I'm sure there's people who are like, um, who don't have limbs, who don't have arms or legs. But the universe wanted to experience that to see what it would be like to have that life experience. I don't know. That's just mm -hmm. a trippy thought that I had once. And I run with that all the time. I don't know why. Hey, man, I could I could comment on that real quick. My brother was born with one leg and he's now a rocket scientist. What? Holy shit. I would love to talk to him. Yeah, I kick it with him probably once a month. What? Honestly, dude, like we both ride electric mountain bikes, but he's actually a stronger biker than me. And I love cycling. Like I bike every day. He was born Isn't that with crazy. He was born with one leg. Yeah, it was like a sort of like a fucked up smaller leg. So they eventually like um, like did a surgery on it and made it into a prosthesis. So he takes it off every night, but he walks around on like a fake leg from the knee down. Oh wow! See, that's what I'm talking about. That tenacity, that human spirit. That's like uh, I might not have a leg, but fuck it, I'm still gonna keep on going. And he's a rocket scientist. He must be fucking smart. Yeah, he's a aerospace engineer for Blue Origin, oh. which is Jeff Bezos's aerospace company. Oh wow! And is he into these type of weird things like Terrence McKenna psychedelics and stuff, or is he straight edge? Man, he—I don't think he's ever even like puffed a cigarette. Like I've had a beer with him a handful of times, and that's it. Like he knows I do things, but he had to get past like lie detector tests. Oh damn! Do spinal, spinal taps and shit. He worked for uh, the government. What? So and shit that yeah, he was like top secret and shit. So like now whoa. he's not. Now he's in more like super grade kind of stuff. And what, um, but like he used to be. So he's never done any drug. What what is that spinal tap for? To figure out if he's ever done anything or yeah, some shit like that. Like acid. I think they test for. They do a hair test. Wow, damn. That's... Actually, I may have misspoke on that. I know they drug test him. Spinal tap seems pretty intense. Yeah, damn. But... I remember it being intense enough where. He for while he had that contract, he never spoke to us. Like, what? He, like it was really awkward. Yeah, he like you'd ask him, you'd be talking to him, and he would just stop talking. If a topic came up that would like somehow be related to, um, Air Force. Oh wow! Rockets. Dang. It was. I hated it because I'm pretty transparent myself, and I would like my family members to be, especially about something interesting. That's, dude. Like I have songs about the military industrial complex. I hate war. Uh -huh. I hate big weapon systems. Right, right. You know, I know that I know they achieve peace in the long run, but like, no, I don't think so. I hate, I hate I looking at so. them up close. You know, what do you mean they achieve peace in the long run? 
Well, the threat of nuclear Armageddon is enough to keep people from using nukes, so they say, because we've only, you know, when the last time we actually used one in war. Right, right. Despite like, quadrupling the amount we have of them or whatever. Well, <laughs> I don't know, Troy, because apparently I've looked into some things saying that uh, uh, atomic weapons aren't even real, but then there's atomic energy, so I don't know. I have no idea. Right? It's like they're just calling it something right. that sounds complex when really it's just, who yeah. knows, man. I mean, I... I never really understood nukes. I do understand like thermonuclear fusion of the sun. When yeah. you look at a chemistry chart, it's just like, oh, that's helium turning into whatever. Mm-hmm. And they explain how the atoms interact and molecules kind of release heat. Um, but a bomb sort of never made sense to me because it's just too small to have that big of an impact. Right, and then right. the fallout, people will be like, oh, yeah, we've nuked it. I'm like, or what about the fallout? Like, because there's wind. I don't really get it. How does that weapon's like two layers, it's like chemical warfare and explosion warfare. Well, see, that's the thing. When they bombed uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, whenever they went back, I mean, they said supposedly the people moved back into it like right away. What the fuck? Yeah, that's what. That's the thing. I have no idea. I don't know. There's a um, app called like Bomb Map, Nuke Map. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's Nuke Map. My boss showed it to me. Um, you can like play with the 15 different types of nukes that are public knowledge. Just pretty much all of them. And then you can go to a Google Maps and just go anywhere and it'll show you the radius and like it'll show a shaded area on the map. You can scroll it around and it'll show the fallout area. It'll show how many tons it weighed, how much like damage it did. And I just played with it one day. I was like, huh, even the biggest nuke wouldn't wipe out like an entire city. It's a pretty concentrated effect. I always thought a nuke was like you could just, just delete a state. Right, right. Well, it's weird because I've also seen a video where it shows all like the detonations they've had. And I'm like, holy, holy shit, how many have they actually detonated? And it looks like hundreds, hundreds. Oh, God. And talking about this, I don't know if you know, next year there's a great movie I can't wait to see. It's going to be called Oppenheimer. And it's supposed to be about the guy who developed the, the atomic bomb. And it's going to be... Wasn't he like from Germany or some shit? Oh, like, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. And it's going to be directed by Christopher Nolan. So he's a really great... Uh, oh, bet. Yeah, bet, so yeah. I can't wait for that one. But, um, Damn, a lot of stars in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who's in it? C- can you look it up really quick? Do you know? Yeah. So, right off the bat, Cillian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., oh, shit. Jack Quaid, Matt Damon. Oh, yeah. Uh, Florence Pugh. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. That's Emily be. Blunt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Christopher Nolan is uh, who I'm most excited about. Yeah, he's a master. RDJ, what the heck? Like, I don't even know. He's still kicking, dude. Damn. Guy's still going. Yeah, I love all... Yeah, he's a great... Like, his stuff is deep. Like, he has layers upon layers on his fucking movies of meaning and symbolism and shit. Oh, yeah. Well, Troy, um, this was great. Um, I love talking to you. We could do it again, for sure. Um, Tell people where they can find you when they want to check out all your stuff. IG, right? So, at Burn Control Music, at Controlled Burn Portland. Those are the two performers and artistic accounts. And my personal one's Troy Grisa, T R O Y G R I S A. And y'all go check that stuff out, guys, because smoke a J, I swear, and watch this, and you'll get like mesmerized. You'll kind of go into a trance, and you're like, holy shit, how is he doing that? (laughs) Thanks, man. Yo, um, you mind if I uh, spit some of these bars about my conspiracy theories? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. It's, uh, you could, you could, I'll just stop after each verse, and you can, uh, Tell me when to stop, but okay. I'm pretty proud of this, all right? What I bring to this booth is a dangerous mission because the truth is stranger than fiction. Don't float the mainstream. There's bacteria there. Get out of that river and breathe superior air. 
And don't get shit confused. You should be aware, but question the news because they just want you to stare at their models. Oh, sorry. I mean, anchors. They want you coddled and confused by anger. See, politicians are known to funnel the funds of our taxes to the companies run by their very own family. Juan, is that a problem? Seems fishy to me like some shit out of Gotham. Nepotism in Capitol Hill is the best system to be stacking the skrill. Run for Congress. Taxes fund your campaign. Representative Hastings from Florida runs the damn game. He paid his girlfriend 600K to be his main bitch. She could stun every day. It was totally legal when he dipped his pen in company ink like any businessman. Mm. One more. It's not hard to think that foreign policy is written so warmongers get more of them dollars. See, weapons of mass destruction had us invade in Iraq while oil tycoons were steady making the bag. Mm. $40 billion of delectable profit came from George W.'s election to office. We got all up in there with American bullets so provocateurs could live to the fullest. Oh, I'm not even going to touch on the jab, dude. You got to go listen to the song, man. It's on Spotify. That's great, brother. When you come up with this, are you like off the cuff or are you writing? Like you're thinking about what, what to say? I All my best bars that I like to recite are written. Okay. My freestyling is just not that impressive because I like internal rhymes and you have to really sit on yeah. those for a while to pack yeah, them on there. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell because you're like thinking about George Bush and how to fucking make that work and stuff. That's cool, bro. <laughs> I'm going to check out your shit. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to check these songs way back when and Rat Race and um, I'll see which one I like and I'll put one of these at the end. Way back when is such an old song. It's from my album called Quarantine, bro. The new, I think you'll like the callous more due to the quality. Okay. But if you want to go through some of that discography, all the topics we discussed surely come up in musical form. So I think you'll get a kick out of it, man. Great. I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to bug you. And okay. I got to listen to all your podcasts in the meantime. I'm in the middle of one right now. I was already loving it. Thank you. Thank you. No, but yeah. See, that's Super good questions. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm just trying to crack the code because I really want to teach my daughter, man. I, I that's my one goal, like to infuse her with everything I know. And part of the reason I do this podcast is to hear her, have her hear me after I die, like what daddy was really into. Because I think this is the key that everyone's kind of looking for. Like, how do you get get the best out of the human experience? And it's it's through doing art, to, through connecting with people, being in nature. It's not like going to work and fucking looking at YouTube or just consuming all day. It's from getting out there and doing shit and like squeezing the most joy you can out of life. Yeah, man. We totally agree on that. What a great sentiment. Yeah, um, what you were saying also about music, really quick, I just want to say also on like most of my Spotify play, like all my songs that I like now, it's usually just like um, ambient music or uh, consciousness raising rap and hip hop, stuff like that. That's what I'm more gravitating to. I used to love Led Zeppelin. I love Pink Floyd and all that, but it's just like uh, I'm realizing that these people are putting certain messages out there for a reason and it's it's not always good. I mean, it does make you feel good. It does uh, fill you with energy. But a lot of the things I feel that they're propagating are kind of like poison for your mind in a sense. So I'm, I'm gravitating to more music like you, people who are actually have a message of positivity or educating others. Yeah, man. Couldn't have put it better myself once again. Well, Troy, this was great. Um, are you, when are you having some shows sometime? Maybe you can tell people maybe they can come and find you or something. Well, I perform all the time in Portland. Um, and if I'm going to go travel to a bigger festival, I'll make a post about it. Okay. Um, yeah, I got a residency, you could call it, at uh, this little cabaret near my house. So I got a fire show tomorrow I'm gearing up for. If you're in the great city of Portland, you can pretty much always find me at a jam performing. Um, reach out on any of those pages and I'll get back to you. But otherwise, if you're not in Portland, 
Uh, just check out Controlled Burn Portland. And you'll see some, I post all my performances, all my good performances. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And maybe y'all, one of y'all might actually get into poi or juggling. Well, who knows? But uh, Plenty of tutorials for you. And I'm available to teach you new tricks as you're learning them. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah just go check out his stuff, guys. It's cool. You're, you're going to be like, holy shit, what the fuck? This is a thing. And yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> and people make a living off of it. So I mean, we didn't even talk about that, bro, how you got sponsorships and all that to actually make a mm-hmm. living for a couple years, right? Yeah, I've been sponsored by like three different main companies in my life. Uh, two of them were like board sports. And this last one has been juggling and poi and staff manufacturers. Um, and I help them in various ways, whether it's writing captions or doing R&D on products or like sales. Hmm. Um, I really like my relationship with my relationship with Flow on Fire. Um, all their products are on Etsy because uh, really the R&D um, it's just so fun. We get to come up with new stuff together. Mm. They have the ability to 3D print, you know, in like 40 different colors. Um, I spec in different adhesives and like grip tapes that we can use. Oh, wow. Um, it's just like using the technical part of my mind mm-hmm. with the, you know, physical part of my mind. Mm. Yeah, man, that's cool. Yeah, it's, I, I can imagine just a kind of shit you can come up with. Like uh, at first, I'm sure you said it was just from Polynesia. Mm-hmm. It was just balls on a string. But now you're doing mm-hmm. like... Uh, it looks like lightsabers I saw one with like it looked like you had lightsabers yep LED swords um, that are connected different modes on them programming them yeah man stuff like that yeah I love all that shit bro keep doing what you're doing and uh, um, yeah y'all go check out his stuff guys Um, check out the third wave documentary check out uh, Homo Deus Um, check out Spiral the Game uh, his music (laughs) Um, all that cool shit man and that's what we're here to do just uh, share knowledge and get into shit but um, thank you, Troy, for coming on, brother. I'm going to put your link you in the show notes so people can come check you out. And um, if you ever have anything big coming up or you said you were writing a book or you wrote a book. Oh, I have various ideas, man. This, we're going to have to schedule another episode here. These are all great topics. Yeah, um, I have so many ideas for books. I have enough content to make anthologies of books. Cool. Whether or not, you know, how I would market it all together is sort of the missing puzzle piece at this time. We'll do that then because I I have an idea for a book in my head and it's kind of, it'll be like a manual kind of like, sort of like a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy, but for the human experience. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. like teaching kids and children what it is to be human and how not to be like fooled by either uh, ideas or propaganda and just that. So we'll talk about that next time. We'll, We'll get together some other time, brother. Love it, man. All right. Appreciate the time. No problem. But thank you. Thank you for coming on. And y'all guys, remember, check out all the stuff we said. And remember, know thyself, improve thyself, find the others, mm-hmm. and then you'll know what to do. Peace. All right, guys. <clears throat> I hope you enjoyed my talk with Troy Grissom. Uh, real interesting guy. Um, we kept on talking a little bit after we recorded. And uh, we're going to do another episode. Uh, possibly on book ideas that we can write. Uh, he says he has a lot of stuff write, written down that could just be put together and actually make books. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we're going to keep in touch and see what happens or what comes of that. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that was Troy Grizzle. Go check out all his stuff, his uh, other two accounts. He also said he has a channel for training dogs, which we didn't talk about, but uh, maybe we'll talk about that next time, which is... Um, that's pretty cool. Imagine training a dog, like training something without even being able to talk to it. It's just, I think it must be through um, <clears throat> positive reinforcement, I guess. But I don't know. That's another subject for another time. So to play out, I want to share with you all a song from Burn Control Music, which is Troy's uh, label, I guess. And this song is called Legacy. 
It's uh, posted it two years ago. It's on YouTube. I'll put the link uh, on the show notes. And thank you again, guys, for listening. Um, remember, know thyself, improve thyself, find the others, and then you'll know what to do. This is Legacy by Burn Control Music. Peace. You want to leave a legacy, right? Yeah. Well, it doesn't just happen. Don't let life get in the way of your dreams. If you become reactive to the world, you die a nobody. So buy a journal, keep track of your life. Your mind's fertile, keep it sharp as a knife. Sarcastic rapes on the internet haven't made anybody a winner yet. Focus on your goals and what you've achieved. If you don't write it down, who's gonna believe that you deserve to leave a legacy? Can you live forever? Let me see. If you inspire the next generation with the album that you made in your basement, you're immortal, resting on your laurels. You expressed your lessons, comfortably informal, letting out wisdom's how you live forever. Stretching perceptions, worth the effort. But you gotta do it now, cause you're already late. Trade gas for cash by spitting steady flames. One life, then you're gone. Sunlight, every dawn. Wake up, give it a yawn. Pick one, king or pawn. One life, leave your mark. Sometimes, you feed the sharks. It's crunch time, disembark on a journey that'll light the dark. One life, then you're gone. Pick one, king or pawn. I can do a bomb, you're designed to blow. Never written a song that take time to grow. But make sure you leave an impact. Success isn't art, but it's inexact. You never know until you try. You get one episode and then you die. And when you do die, what do you want to leave behind? Your kids? Your art? Some graffiti? A bunch of cigarette butts? Whatever it is, trademark your vibe. Leave it all on the stage, but safeguard your heart. The graveyard is marked with your casket. Your dream dies too, so grasp it. One life, then you're gone. Sunlight, every dawn. Wake up, give it a yawn. Pick one, king or pawn. One life, leave your mark. Sometimes, you beat the sharks. Crunch time, disembark on a journey that'll light the dark. Tendencies are habits, habits make art. Legacies are carved in granite if you take part. It's up to you if you want it. No substitutes if you drop it. You've done too much to be forgotten. Don't let yourself be forgotten. 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 Peace.